Every, uh, every weekend, I had the privilege of hanging out and talking to so many of you, and, and I hear conversations like that uh, all the time. Uh, every weekend, someone walks up and says, this is my first time here. This church is incredible. I'll be back next week. Uh, I constantly have conversations with people. I said, I, I hit rock bottom, and then someone invited me to hope, and, and through hope, I met Jesus, and Jesus has changed everything in my life. And uh, I love just even talking to volunteers and when I get a chance and I see them serving and just say, hey, thanks for serving. And week after week, I hear people say, I, I get so much more out of this than I feel like I, I give. I wouldn't do anything else other, other than this. And uh, I love being a part of a church where God is just constantly at work changing changing lives. And we are so proud of you, so uh, thankful for you. And, and as a church, the way that we, the way that you love people and serve people, we talked about this um, last week that we, a couple years ago, we had about 20% of us that were, were serving uh, regularly here at Hope. That's up to like 33% now, which is, which is amazing. Last weekend, we had over 170 people that just on the spot said, I'm going to start serving and uh, making a difference and, and using my gifts to, uh, to help someone else out. And we just want to remind you, if you haven't done done that yet. It's not too late. We have serve boards up uh, here this morning at, at our campus um, back at Next Steps that have all kinds of different opportunities. There's a lot more online as well where you can get involved because uh, no matter what your gifts are, no matter what your passions are, your talents, your abilities, all of those things, there is a place for you. And, and, and someone like Ashley, her story could be your story uh, where you find hope and you find community and, and through it, you serve Jesus by serving other people. And so we would love to invite you into that and to, uh, to not miss out. Um, we're in week five of our series called Hashtag Winning. As Wes said earlier, the Olympics have kicked off. And, and so we thought, man, it'd be great to have a series where we talked about how do we have kind of a gold medal life in, in our journey with Jesus? And what does that look like for those of us that are, are followers of him? And so uh, as a, as a church, right? We, we've looked in God's word and we've found that over and over and over again, there's these five marks, these five characteristics that seem to kind of go around where Jesus is and that these are aspects of, of for every follower of Jesus, that we should have these in our lives. They should be growing in our lives. This is how we become more and more like him. This is how we have that gold medal life. And so um, we kicked it off a couple weeks ago. We started and, we, and the very first one was... Great job. That's, that's, that's awesome. That, that, thank you. That was where you got to participate in that. Uh, live obediently. I'll give you the first one. We'll break the ice with that one because I don't want to do that again. That was super awkward. Um, live obediently, right? And live obediently by knowing Jesus and his word and remaining in him. We talked about how important it is to get into God's word and allow that to shape and change us, which led us into the second one, which is... You guys are killing me this morning. This is, this is painful stuff. Connect intentionally, right? You're like, oh yeah, I knew that. I just didn't want to share it. With others in community, connect intentionally. We were created to do life with other people. I don't know if I should give you a third chance, right? Can I do it one more time? Can you get this one? That last week? Do you remember last week? Last week we talked about... Serve selflessly. I love you guys. I knew you guys were going to knock that out of the park, right? Using your gifts and resources and, and talents, all the things that God has given you to, to help those in need. And this week we're talking about, uh, you shouldn't know that because I haven't given it to you yet. That's okay. Some of you, I think I heard a couple of you actually say it. Share willingly. We're talking about share willingly today, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, 
all of us, we love, as, as people, we love telling other people about our experiences, don't we? We love doing that. We just, we all do it naturally. A couple years ago, um, I had the chance to meet one of my favorite baseball players of, of all time, Albert Pujols. I grew up a, a Cardinals fan, and I had a chance to, um, to meet him. And some of you are like, what, Canadians that like baseball? Yeah, it's, a, it's the only, uh, <laughs> shocker, I don't, it's the only sport that we could go outside and not have like earlobes freeze off, right? And so I loved baseball. Both weeks of it were incredible. And uh, it's a a short season there in Canada, but I love, I I grew up just loving baseball. For those of you that are not familiar with baseball or baseball players, um, Albert Pujols, when he was with the the Cardinals, he was equivalent to Cam Newton with the Panthers, right? So he was a very popular, uh, probably the best player on the team. The only difference is that Albert and, and, and the Cardinals won a championship. That was... That was my son's joke. You can, uh, you can email him at, at ty at I don't really care.com, right? And, uh, and, and he'll, he'll, he may not reply back. Right? So anyway, so we're, we're, in, we're in Southern California. We were just outside of LA a couple years ago. I'm at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, the, it's a playoffs. And so the Cardinals are playing the Dodgers. I'm the only Cardinals fan in there. All Dodger fans, right? They're all making fun of me. My team's losing. It was a terrible afternoon. Uh, and, uh, and my boss called. My boss called and said, hey, what are you doing? And so I replied like we all should when our boss calls and said, whatever it is you want me to do, right? Whatever it is that's about to happen, I'll go do it. And he said, go get Ty, get down to the stadium. We have been invited to watch the Angels playoff game in Albert Pujol's private box with his family. I was like, what? I mean, this is just incredible, right? And so uh, like our, our campus where we did church was right in the parking lot of Angel Stadium and the Pujols family uh, had, had kind of expressed interest in attending our church. And so we had just started kind of having some conversations with them and they invited us to come down and do this. And so I, I like, like flew out of Buffalo Wild Wings. I left my bill for the Dodger fans to pay for, right? Because they were winning anyways. And so I just left and I called Ty on the way home. I'm like, Ty, I will roll by the house. The window will be down. If you can get in, you're coming with me. That's on you, right? And he made his way in. It was fantastic. So we got to the stadium and it was, it was unbelievable, right? It was unbelievable watching this game. We're hanging out with the family. I was still the student ministry pastor at the time. So I was hanging with Ty and Albert's son and, and just kind of hanging out with these couple of teenagers. And, and I mean, it was this amazing experience. I sat on Albert's couch, right? Uh, it was so cool. I took a selfie with Albert picture that was hanging on the wall behind me, right? It was as close as I could get. That was good enough. Uh, I, I, I'm not proud of this, but I may have taken a plastic fork and, and, just, and just took it with me. Don't judge me. It was just, this was one of those life-changing experiences for me, right? It was just, it was absolutely amazing. And so I'm taking all kinds of pictures, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait to post these on Instagram and Facebook and whatever else. Like, this is gonna be so cool. And my boss calls me over. He says, Donnie, here's the deal. I talked with the family. They want to kind of keep a low profile in this. And, and I only invited you. I didn't invite the rest of our staff and, and stuff. And so, so we should probably just keep this to ourselves. And I was like, yeah, of course. We'll just keep this to ourselves, right? And I'm like, there, I may have a little, a little bit of work to do because I may or may not have told everybody at Buffalo Wild Wings where I was going while standing on a table, right? That, that might've happened. Uh, so, but other than that, yes, we'll keep it to ourselves. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've had an amazing experience in your life, but you had to keep it secret. You weren't allowed to talk about it because as people, we, we, we don't do that well, right? That's just not what we do. When we have an amazing experience, when something incredible happens to us, we tell everybody, right? That's, that's just what we do. We, we do. If you see a movie that you love, you go out and you recommend it to everyone. In fact, most of us will go on and talk too much about it and ruin the plot before you even get to see it, right? Or if you go to your favorite restaurant, you tell everybody about that restaurant. And when you go to that restaurant, you need to get this on the menu and this is incredible and order that, right? We, we tell people our stories. 
How many of you have ever been on a vacation and taken pictures and come back and shown those pictures to somebody else, right? That includes putting them on Facebook, right? You're showing the world to see. We all do that, right? You don't put your hand up, but I know that you don't participate. I learned that earlier in, the, in this message, right? It's okay, right? And so we do that. We show everybody. Guys do this. If you guys start talking to a guy about like his favorite Super Bowl or favorite championship, they'll go through every detail of every play, right? You ask a guy about his favorite car and he'll tell you why Fords are better than Chevys. Uh, I'm not saying they are. I just say that's what, that's what they talk about. Ladies, you guys do this too. You totally do this. I have heard you. I have heard you tell horror stories about your pregnancies, right? And it's as if you're trying to scare that child out of that poor, terrified mother, right? I don't know what it is. Like, I was in labor for 14 months, right? It's just like, I don't, I don't even understand. That's what, is that possible? Like, you do this. I've heard you talk about, don't go to that nail salon, right? Because the gel there is cheap. I shouldn't know stuff like that, but I hear it, right? I hear it from you people because we love to tell stories. Let me ask you a question. How often do you tell people about your relationship with Jesus? Oh, heads go down, right? We break a little bit of eye contact there, right? Because if I asked you the question, I'm not going to, but if I asked you, well, I'll ask you the question, right? How many of you were on social media this week, right? I bet almost every one of us would put up our hand. At some point, we were checking something, we were liking something, we were posting something. But if I asked, if you had those hands up, right? If I asked, how many of you shared the story of how God changed your life with someone this week, right? Most of the hands in this room would go back down. Why? Why is it that we, we don't share Jesus with others? Because if we're a follower of Jesus, right, we know that this is, this is the, the greatest thing that has ever happened to us. We share all kinds of other stories, but this story we kind of tend to keep to ourselves. And I get it. I get it because there's some fear attached to some of it, right? What if I try to share and someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to? Or what if I mess it up, right? What if I don't get it in the right order or I say something wrong? Or, or what, if it, what if it impacts the relationship? What if they just don't take it the right way and our friendship is stressed out as a result? Gary Vett, who's one of our pastors here, he's a pastor that kind of oversees all of the pastors and he shares this with us regularly. This is his life mission and it's this. Every man, woman, and child needs multiple opportunities to see, hear, and to respond to a relationship with Jesus Christ. What if today we could discover a way that we could share Jesus with people that's easy and personal and it's actually exciting because every time we do it, it's a reminder to us of how grateful we are for who God is and what he has done and what he is continuing to do in our lives. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to uh, John chapter nine. John chapter nine. Uh, Brian, when he uh, talked about living obediently a couple weeks ago, he alluded um, to this story and, and it's such a great story. I wanted to go back and, and kind of unpack it a little bit. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with his, uh, with his 12 disciples, his 12 uh, closest followers and friends. And, and in John uh, chapter nine, uh, they have an encounter with someone. And so John nine, beginning at verse one, it, it says this. As he went along, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. I want you to picture this for a second, right? Because here's Jesus and, and his disciples, they're walking through a town and, and he, sees, he sees this man begging. I mean, because in, in ancient culture, that's probably about the only job that, that someone who was blind could get. Uh, he was probably very poor. He's probably out on the roadside and he's begging for money, enough money to, to feed himself, maybe feed his family, depending on his, his situation for that day. And Jesus, Jesus saw him. 
And I wonder, right, it doesn't tell us, but I wonder how many other people have passed by, Jesus, by this man, right? Maybe crossed to the other side of the street or, or knowing that he was blind, maybe just tried to walk, walk quietly so they didn't have to interact with him. I wonder how often that happens in, in our lives, how we do the same. Maybe for some of us, it's on our way to or from work. There's someone that has a, a need that's always in the, the same place. We pass them every single day. For some of us, maybe it's someone who lives uh, right next door to us or, or right on the same street. For some of us, maybe it's a, a family member. It's real easy sometimes for us to, to lack compassion. Sometimes we get, we get just too busy, right, to be concerned about others. Sometimes we just lose, we lose sight of people as people. Right? And we just don't see them as, as people anymore. But not Jesus. I love this. Jesus saw this man and he, he cared enough to, to stop. But when he stops, the disciples ask him a question. They go, Jesus, who, whose fault is it? And this seems like a very insensitive question, isn't it? Why was this guy born blind, Jesus? Was it his fault? Was it his sin? Is that why he was blind? Or, or is he blind because it was his parents' fault? It was his parents' sins. There was a tradition in Jewish culture. That, that any deformity, any abnormality, right, that, that was caused, if you walked with a limp or something like that, that it was, it was punishment from God. And many people, many people around the world still, still believe this. And so Jesus answers it. Look what he says in, in verse three. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. See, Jesus begins to, to shift the focus a little bit. He goes, guys, I'm not gonna get caught up in this dumb debate, right? It's, it's neither. It's neither of their faults. But let me set the stage for what really matters here. And, and, and Jesus is telling them the same as he's telling us. Instead of worrying about what caused the problem in his life or, or in our lives, that instead we should look to God to see how, how our problems can demonstrate God's power in our lives. And so I want you to imagine this moment for a second. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and, and, and just imagine what it's like to, to be blind. How vulnerable you feel, even right now, just sitting in, in this place, right? As the darkness begins to, to set in, imagine that's all you've ever known is darkness and, and begging. You don't know blue, Right? You hear people say how blue the sky is today, but you don't know exactly what that means. You've never seen the color orange. You don't know exactly what a tree looks like or how to differentiate between different kinds of trees. You've never seen a sunrise or a sunset. You've maybe heard the ocean, but you've never seen a dolphin jumping in it. Now imagine, with your eyes closed still, imagine what it was like as a child, being held by your mom. You've touched your mom's face, but you've, you've never seen it. You felt a tear roll down her cheek, but you can't picture the sorrow that she's expressing. See, these are, are things that most of us take for granted every single day. And Jesus is about to heal this man. This life that really you and I can't even conceive of is about to be changed. You can open your eyes and look at, look at what happens in verse six. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Why would Jesus choose this way to perform a miracle, right? I mean, I read this and I'm like, of all the ways Jesus could heal someone, this is so bizarre to me because we've seen, right? We've read stories of how Jesus has healed all kinds of people. There were times where he just spoke to things and they were healed or changed, right? He prayed over people and they were healed. He touched people physically and they were healed. Or he sometimes even just said, just go. And as they were going, they were physically healed, right? We've seen all kinds of different examples of how Jesus has healed people. And yet this is the way that Jesus chose. 
I want you to imagine it from this guy's perspective, right? Jesus and his disciples stop in front of this man. So far, they've been talking about him. They haven't even spoken to him yet. And then Jesus spits on the ground and he takes the saliva and he makes a, a, a mud pie, right? I mean, the Bible doesn't say mud pie. That's my loose translation, but he makes a, a mud pie and he goes and he, and he puts it on, on this guy's eyes, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're that man, you hear him spit and you've got to be thinking to yourself, where did that go, right? <laughs> what? What's happening? And maybe he, for most of his life, maybe he's been picked on. Maybe he's been made fun of. Maybe he's had kids put kick me scrolls on his back, right? Like, uh, I'm not making fun of him and I'm not making fun of, of anyone in, in his condition. I really wonder what is he thinking? <laughs> even Jesus is punking me, right? Even, even Jesus is messing around with me. Like this is just so bizarre. Look what it says in verse seven. Go. Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. That's a nice thing to say, right? After you've just spit on someone's face, is it, oh, why don't you go wash that off? And, and, and again, I wonder how this guy felt because there's gotta be a stir now, right? There, I'm sure there are people wandering, people gathering around, that people are, are talking, people are, are laughing, people are, are whispering behind his back. I wonder what he's, what he's feeling. Maybe he's used to it. Right? And maybe he's, he's used to feeling foolish. Maybe he's used to, to being made fun of. I wonder, if he's, I wonder if he's disappointed. I just expected so much more from Jesus. So I don't think it's either of those things. I, I think, my opinion, is that this man was very excited. Because maybe, maybe immediately his eyes began to, to tingle. Right, as he began to walk to the pool, I wonder if his, his heart started to race faster and faster because he could tell something was happening. Something was changing. I've never had this sensation before. Something is going on in my eyes, right? And it says this, it says, so the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. He obviously believed enough to go and to do what Jesus asked him to do. And so he gets to the pool and he begins to wash and, and, and imagine this, right? Imagine as the, the light begins to come into his eyes and it becomes brighter and brighter, things that he's never experienced before. He, he begins to see the reflection of someone's face in the water that he's just washed in and he realizes for the very first time it's, it's his reflection. He looks up in the sky and he goes, wow, that's what blue is. And he sees a tree and grass and goes, that's, that's green and images and colors and shapes for the very first time. Right? He's beginning to see these things and, and understand these things and, and put them into context. The only experience that I've ever had where, where I could try to understand what his experience is like is when my son Ty was born for the very first time, except my response was like, oh, gross, right? Like when, when I saw him, right? It's like, is his head supposed to be shaped like that? Like, well, it just doesn't feel right. Like, why does he look like my grandfather, right? Those are the questions that, that came out, this weird Benjamin Button kind of thing. And I, and I imagine that that's not... That's not the response that this guy goes through. I imagine he just starts running everywhere. And then he all of a sudden realizes that this is the path that I normally take back and forth to home. And, and all of a sudden it makes sense. He, all of a sudden he realizes, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna run home because there's one person that I wanna see more than any other. It's my mom. I, I know her voice, but for the very, very, very first time, I'm gonna see her face. Let me fast track the rest of the story. Verse eight. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. 
I don't know if he said it like that, right? But, but, but he, he said, I, I am that man, right? I, I was the guy, I was blind before and now I can see, right? Verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Skip to verse 13. They brought to, they brought, uh, to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And now on the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath, talking about Jesus. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. And obviously they were divided enough because in verse 24, it says that, that a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and they said, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. And look what he said. He replied, whether he's a, a sinner or not, I, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I love this story. Jesus changed this man's life. In one instant, everything in his world changed. And, and I, wonder, I wonder what Monday morning looked like for him. My guess is he didn't pick up his, his mat and his bucket and his cane. He didn't go back to the spot where he begged all of his life, right? I'm I, I guessing he didn't do that. What would you do? What would you do if, if you were in that, that situation? And for many of us, for most of us here, I want you to remember back to that moment. For some of us, it was recent. For some of us, it was a long, long time ago when Jesus changed your life. Because we all had that moment. We all went from this moment of blindness and then had an encounter with Jesus and, and Jesus changed everything. And, and now, now we can see, right? That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you were in that experience, right, you wouldn't go home and catch up on Netflix, right? I've got a whole lifetime of stuff that I haven't, I haven't seen. You would go out and you would tell someone, just like this man did, you would go out and you would tell everyone of what Jesus did in your life. See, in, in this story, we, we don't even know this man's name, but we see the power of sharing your story. He simply shared it. And, and even when he was asked questions that he didn't know the answer to, questions about, about Jesus and, and how it happened, right? He, he didn't get bogged down with that. He, he didn't get concerned with that. All he said, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is to that question. But here's what I do know. Let me share the experience that I know is true. I was blind. I met Jesus. He put mud on my eyes. I went and washed it off. And now I can see. Jesus changed everything in my life. I love that his success or failure, it wasn't an issue in this as he shared his story, right? It doesn't tell us in the story that anyone ever responded to him sharing his story. That didn't stop him. He simply pointed people to Jesus and said, it was Jesus that did it. It was Jesus that put the mud on my eyes. It was Jesus that changed my life forever. In fact, later on, Jesus has an encounter again with this man and, and Jesus doesn't judge him that, that nobody, nobody's life was changed because of his story. He simply just shared his story. And I love that the third thing that I see in this, in this story is that the more and more he did it, the more confident he got. See, your story is the story of how God has changed your life and made a difference in it. And, and God wants us to share our story because your story has incredible power to it. 
Your story is what you have been called to share. It is the way that you live out your mission. It is, it is how you have a hashtag winning life because your story is unique. No one else has a story like yours. And if you don't share your story, then the world misses out on who God is and what he has done in and through your life. Here's the, here's the really cool part. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to share your story. Right? You don't have to have all of the answers. And I know for some of us, maybe you've been in that, maybe with a classmate or someone at work or a neighbor, you've, you've had a discussion and the, and the God thing has come up and maybe they've asked you a question like, well, explain dinosaurs to me. Where are dinosaurs in the Bible? I, I don't know. Right? Well, well, explain this whole creation thing. Prove to me that the world was created and it was seven literal days and it didn't just go bang. Like, prove that to me. Like, show me where that, well, I, I don't know how to prove that to you, right? Maybe you've had questions. Why, why does God allow suffering then? Why, why do those things happen? Prove to me that there was a flood. The entire planet was covered in water. Come on, like prove that to me. We get in these places and that's where a lot of our fear comes from because we're like, I don't know how to answer questions like that. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be an expert in that area because what you are an expert in is, is the authority of your story. I don't know the answers to those things, but here's what I do know. This is what my life was like. And then I met Jesus and he changed everything and, and this is who I'm becoming now. And so how do we share our stories? We, it literally is those three things. And so let's unpack that real quick. Three parts to every follower of Jesus' story. Here's the first thing. And here's what I would challenge you to do is to go home tonight or spend some time this week and begin to work through these three things. Begin to write down some of your memories and experiences. The first one is this, is what was your life like before you met Jesus? What was it like? What was it like? For some of you, it's recent, right? Maybe even a couple of weeks ago. That was not a long time ago for some of us. For some of us, it was a long, long time ago. But what was your life like before you met Jesus? What were the attitudes that you had? What was most important to you? What substitute for God did you use to try and find meaning in your life? Maybe it was sports or or, or fitness, working out all the time. Maybe it was being successful at work or, or at school. Maybe it was through your marriage or your sex life or making money, collecting stuff through drinking or alcohol or some other addiction. Maybe it was through, through thrill-seeking. What was it that you tried to substitute for God to try and find meaning in your life but, but never really fully satisfied? What problems did you face? What were your relationships like? What temptations did you deal with? Write all those things down because what I guarantee will happen is you're gonna find that in your past and in your story, you have all kinds of things that you have in common with people around you. Parts of your story that someone else will be able to relate to. Here's the second part of your story then. The second is is how you realized that you needed Jesus and how you met him. What significant steps led to you surrendering your life to Jesus? What needs or hurts or problems did you have in your life that just made you dissatisfied with the way that you were living? How did God get your attention? What is it that he did? What specifically did you do? And and get as detailed with that as you can, right? As as specific as you can. Maybe dates or times or conversations, people that were involved, prayers that you prayed, whatever it is that you can remember about that moment. For this man, it was where Jesus spit on the ground and made mud and put it on his eyes and said, go and wash, right? Right? that moment of how you realize you needed Jesus and how you met him. And then the last part is, is this, is what is your life like now? What's your life like now? What changes do you see God beginning to make in your life? How is God working in your life? What are the things that you are now learning? And then here's the cool part with this, guys, is there's no expectation that you are perfect, right? That you've got your life fixed, that everything is in order and, and you've got it all together now. That's not what this part of, of your story is. This part of your story is now I have a better perspective on things. 
I'm growing in this area of my life. My relationships are healthier because of Jesus than they were before. In these areas of my life, I'm becoming more and more and more like Jesus. I'm not there yet, but I'm becoming more like him. I want you to, uh, to listen to Mark's story and, and, and listen as he goes through these three parts in his story. Check out the side screen. I've seen people fail in a bunch of different areas, but it's unusual that if you have a great family life, you can survive a lot of adversity in life. I grew up in a family where, you know, my father was a, an alcoholic. He was never allowed to bring alcohol in the home, so that kept him out of the home a, a lot. And when he wasn't drinking, you could say hello to him and he wouldn't even acknowledge you. And then my mom and dad were always fighting, most of the time verbally, but sometimes physically. All the way from elementary school, I was very troubled. I started drinking 86 proof whiskey in eighth grade. Went on to, you know, heavier drugs and became a drug dealer in high school. Uh, When I was 17, I joined the Air Force uh, on a whim on Christmas Eve 1974. It was a long walk back to the duty station and I saw a guy that they used to call Preacher Man. I saw his car and I didn't even know him, but I yelled over to him, would you give me a ride? And he started explaining the gospel to me in about a five minute ride. Right at uh, about nine o'clock at night, I accepted the Lord. And my roommate came back and he was like one of the biggest partiers on the Air Force base. And then he said, hey, you're going to the party downtown Las Vegas, right? And I said, well, sure I'm going. And I got in the car and I went to the party thinking nobody said, well, you know, I guess I can still go do this. And one of the guys who knew me said, hey, Harold, what are you drinking? You regular? I said, yep. And I took the drink and I sat down in a chair and I just looked around the room and I, not an audible voice, but I heard a still voice in my, said, this isn't going to be part of your life anymore. And I was like, wow. I kept hearing this, your life is going to change and stuff. And I got in the next car and I told uh, some of the guys that were there, I said, I don't feel good. And I grabbed a ride back to the base and never looked back. My life changed like 180 degrees. I mean, did not ever take another drink. I never did another drug. I changed my lifestyle completely. In about 2008, I believe it was, I said I felt God was calling me to do something different, to do something more to help people. You know, through a long process, it ended up turning out that I became a counselor. It's, it's rare to see somebody in my office that hasn't had some trauma, uh, you know, some type of less than nurturing lifestyle that they grew up in, you know. That's a theme that you see with people all the time. Family is like the heartbeat. I can't believe that my life is turned out as fortunate as it has. That, you know, my kids are all serving the Lord. My wife is great. My wife is wonderful. I think we're probably more in love today than even when we got married. If you have a great family life, you can survive a lot of adversity in life. You can survive a bad job. You can survive sickness. You can survive a lot of stuff if you have the family support. If you've never had the family support you wanted, let the church be your family. You won't find any greater support than letting God be your father and letting his church be your family. Yeah. And you share your story. 
And some of you, Donnie, my, my story's not nearly as extreme as, as Mark's. That's okay. Your story is your story. It's a story that God has given you, and it's unique, and it has power to it. So what do we, what do, we do? I, I'm excited about this part, because we're going to close out with this, and this, is, this part is very exciting to me. What, when you share your story, at some point, you're going to have opportunities. People are going to say, what, what's different about you, right? Tell me about this whole Jesus thing that's going on inside of you. And, and, and that's a part sometimes where we go, oh, what do I do? How do I share the gospel, right? Mark talked about in the story that this guy shared with him in, in that car. Well, we have, when you came in, you should have gotten a card that looks like this. If you would grab that card real quick and, and, and take a look at it um, on the front, we as, as a church, we kind of came up with a simple way for you to understand and to know and to memorize the, the gospel so that you can share it with anybody at, at any time. And um, you look at that card and you go, you guys made a mistake. You spelled, you spelled gospel wrong. You put a number five in there. Um, we're being very creative because we're going to give you five words and, and five images. And I promise you in like five minutes, you're going to have this memorized, right? It's happened every service so far and, and don't let me down, right? Here we go. A lot of pressure on this. We're, we're going to memorize this real, real quick. And I love this verse in 1 Peter 3.15, it says this, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so in a real simple way, we're going to walk through the gospel. So if you open up your card and take a look at it, it starts at the top and it's got a picture of of God, right? And with God, we put a, a crown next to it. Because we believe that God is king, that he is Lord, that he is creator. He created everything. And in creating everything, he created us. And he created us for, uh, to have a relationship with him. That was God's desire from the very, very beginning. Is that he created us to have this personal, intimate relationship. That God cares about you. He cares about your life. Every detail, every aspect of your life. He wants to share in it with you. That God loves you that much. We talked about connecting intentionally, right? And, and Jason talked about that God is a relational, relational God. In fact, it says this in Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created us to be in a relationship with him. But then something happened, right? And sin entered the picture. And we use sin with a, a picture of a, of a lightning bolt. Because the, the problem is it goes all the way back to the beginning, just a couple chapters in, and Adam and Eve all of a sudden decide, we can do things our way, right? Our way is better than, than your way, God. And so we're gonna choose to, to kind of go in our own direction. And, and they messed up, and guess what? You and I mess up in the exact same way every single day of our lives. Ever told a lie or broken a promise, been selfish or greedy lusted after someone or something, ever gossiped, ever been jealous of something? Has there ever been a time in your life where you had something in your life that was, or someone in your life that was more important than God? See, it only takes one, one of those selfish moments, and that's called sin. And what sin does is it breaks, it separates our relationship with God. A perfect God can't hang out with imperfect creation. And so everything God created and wanted in that relationship is broken by sin. And it would have been real easy for God to say, I'm done with you guys, right? I I gave you a chance. You messed it up. Figure it out on your own. But that's not who God is. God says, I still love you. I still want a relationship with you. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, with the image of, of a cross, Right? And Jesus came and Jesus was God and Jesus became human. The Bible tells us that he lived perfectly while he was here on earth. And in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, and he was seen by all kinds of people to prove that he was God and that he did what he said he came to do. And through his sacrifice, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin to fix our relationship 
with God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, that leads us to the fourth thing, and that's a gift with the picture of a, of a gift. Um, and, and through the gift, through Jesus' sacrifice, he offered us forgiveness. Forgiveness for our past sins, completely gone. Forgiveness for our current sin, wiped out. Forgiveness for future sins, things we haven't even done yet. God's already forgiven you of those things. He offered us a gift of freedom in our lives. He offers us hope. He gives us a gift of joy and peace. He gives us purpose for our lives. Brian talked about this a couple weeks ago, that, that he allows us to have an abundant life here on life, the greatest life that we could have here in this, in this planet. And then we know we will have and spend eternity in perfection with Jesus and God afterwards right? This is an incredible gift that God offers us. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be good enough. It's a gift that's offered to you. But like any gift that you get at Christmas or a birthday, right? It comes with the last picture and the last word. And that's a a choice. It comes with a choice because you have a choice and whether you're gonna receive it or reject it. See, God loves you. He loves you so much that he didn't wanna make us robots. He didn't wanna force us to have to believe in this. He said, I want you to choose to be in a relationship with me. I want you to choose what I am giving to you. You have the choice as to whether you will receive Jesus and spend eternity with him or you will reject him, at which God will say, that's fine. If you don't wanna have a relationship with me, then, then we'll make sure that that's what happens for eternity as well. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So look at that that final image again of, of all of those things that God, right, created us to be in relationship with him. But our sin, our sin broke that relationship and left us separated from him. But God continued to love us. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And through Jesus' sacrifice, he gives us the gift of forgiveness and freedom and hope and life. But there's a choice as to whether you will receive it or reject it. God, right? And with God comes that image of a crown, right? Because God is king. God is the creator of all things. He created us to be in relationship with him, but something happened to that relationship. What happened? Sin. Sin entered the picture through Adam and Eve and through all of our lives. And sin broke that relationship with God, but God didn't stop loving us. So because he loved us, he sent Jesus. And through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, through his sacrifice, he provided us with a a gift of forgiveness, a gift of freedom, a gift of hope. But with that gift comes a a choice as to whether you will receive it or reject it. Look at that. You guys memorize the gospel in five minutes. It's super simple. It doesn't have to be very complicated. And as you share your story with people, God is going to give you opportunities where you're going to have a chance to share his story of how much he loves that individual and what he has done for them so that they can have a relationship with him, the same relationship that those of us that as followers of him have experienced. Uh, All I know is I was blind. And then I had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus changed everything. And now, now I can see. So here's your challenge for this week. I want you to go home. I want you to write out your story. 
I want you to write out those different parts. I want you to practice it. Practice it with a family member or, or a friend. Maybe invite someone out to coffee, hang out with your small group for the next couple of weeks. Share it in that context. I want you to begin to pray. God, will you give me opportunities to share my story? Will you give me opportunities to share my story with someone? Last week, we said that, uh, that we're never more like Jesus than when we serve, and, and I believe that, but here's what I also believe, that there is no greater joy in our lives than, than when God uses us to, to share with someone the hope that's found in Jesus, and they cross over from, from that relationship brokenness part to having a restored, renewed relationship with God for eternity, to see their lives change, to go from blind to seeing. And to be a part of that, there is no greater joy in our lives. And we have the privilege to share our stories. Remember, every man, woman, and child needs multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is what God is asking us to do. You are God's plan in sharing your story and allowing others to see who God is through the way that he's changed your life. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine if you shared your story with someone. Imagine a month from now, two months from now, that individual sitting with you on a Sunday morning worshiping together. Imagine them joining your small group with you and studying God's word together. Imagine them serving side by side with you every single week and experiencing that as you impact the lives of other people. Imagine that simply by sharing the story that God has given us. Let's pray. With your eyes closed, if, if you're in a place today where for the very, very first time, or, or maybe you've heard it time and time again, but for whatever reason, today it just kind of, it just made sense. Today it just kind of sinks in that, man, if God loves me that much, I want that relationship with him. I'm tired of trying to find significance and value and, and purpose in my life and all kinds of other things. They, they feel good in the moment, but they never last. But if, if it's only because I'm missing the, the true the true form of hope, the true, the true freedom that I'm searching for, the true significance in a relationship with Jesus, I want that today. If that's you, would you just pray, just in the quiet of your heart, just follow after me and just say, Jesus, I believe that you are God, that you love me and that you want a relationship with me. I believe that through your sacrifice, you replaced my sin with the gift of forgiveness and freedom. I give you my life. Teach me to live and to love the way you did. And if you just prayed that prayer, I wanna tell you, you just made the, the greatest decision you will ever make in your life to put your trust in your life in, in the hands of the God that loves you and created everything. And it's a game changer. It's a game changer for all of us. And, and Father, we just pray for the rest of us, for those of us that have a relationship with you. God, thank you for our stories. They're unique to each of us. And they're a gift from you. God, we thank you that at one point in all of our lives, we were blind and then we had an encounter with you. Thank you for the person that shared their story with us so that we could understand who you are. And God, as a result of that, now we see. Father, help us to have the courage and the boldness to share our story with other people and through that, ultimately have a chance to share your story. God, what you do with that is up to you. That's not our job. Our job is simply to be faithful and, and share our stories. And so we thank you for that. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, why don't you uh, check out the uh, loop on the side screen? An exciting update from our new Apex campus right now on this special unleashed edition of The Loop. Our mission at Hope is to love people where they are and to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And through the Unleashed initiative, we are living out that mission as we increase our impact here in Raleigh and around the world. Because of your Unleashed generosity, we are building our new Apex campus. But it's more than just a building for weekend services. Check out this exciting sneak peek at the Community and Fitness Center coming soon to our Apex campus. My background in physical fitness started back in 2001. I started as a personal trainer, thinking about you know maybe wanting to be a coach and, and getting into that, and I found a passion with helping people. A lot of people are looking for fitness, so they want to get healthier, they want to have a quality of life that's increased through fitness, and they might not go to the church to look for it. This is where it gets exciting. We're going to open up the doors at the Apex campus to house both of those. We're going to attract those people who might not walk into a church, but walk into a gym, walk into a basketball court, and then have the opportunity to minister to those people inside the facility. My passion for fitness and my passion for God and, and to serve is just kind of married together with this. And it is, it's like a match made in heaven by God himself. So I am truly excited and blessed to be a part of this. That is how we will reach the triangle, through initiatives like this one that are only possible through your generous giving to Unleashed. Thank you to all of you who have already fulfilled your Unleashed pledges. And to those of you who are still in the process of finishing those pledges, we want to encourage you to finish strong. To check out the status of your pledge or to find out how you can get involved, visit UnleashedHope.net.